Welcome to Reinventing Professionals, a podcast hosted by industry analyst Ari Kaplan, which shares ideas, guidance, and perspectives from market leaders shaping the next generation of legal and professional services. This is Ari Kaplan, and I'm speaking today with Bill Pawanka, the Chief Marketing Officer at Extero, a provider of legal GRC software designed for in-house legal, privacy, and IT teams at Global 2000 and Amlaw 200 organizations. Hi, Bill. How are you? I'm doing well, Ari. I got to say, I think maybe if this gig doesn't work out, you should be the announcer at Madison Square Garden. I have a face. I have a face for radio, they tell me, Bill. So that that, that introduction, like I'm ready to go join the layup line and join the Knicks. So tell us about your background and your role at Xero. I'm the chief marketing officer at Xero. I've actually been with the company now going on nine and a half years. So my role at the company is to oversee all of our marketing activities, including all of the thought leadership that we do and present out to the industry in terms of white papers and webinars and checklists and infographics and all that stuff that we create to help legal professionals do their job more effectively. How are legal teams using Xtero's platform? A lot of people know Xtero from our beginnings, which was way back in 2008, our, our founder and CEO, Bobby Balachandran, had the vision that if we combined discipline of data science and process orchestration to how organizations responded to litigation, they'd be able to, to be more effective, defensible, and get to the facts of every matter much more quickly and much less inexpensively. But while we started in the e-discovery space, Bobby's vision was always to have a much broader platform. He had started his career in IT, helping financial institutions, insurance companies marry up different applications to help different parts of the organization work more effectively. And what he noticed was that legal really didn't have a platform, an SAP, an Oracle, a Salesforce, a a large platform like that. So over time, while we continue to innovate and develop our e-discovery solutions, we've added privacy, forensics, cybersecurity compliance, because we see the role of legal having evolved and changed over the years, where they just have so many more responsibilities from a governance risk and compliance perspective. Privacy is a great example, whether or not privacy reports into the GC or CLO There are certainly a lot of laws worldwide and more and more coming in the United States that the legal team has to be aware of and and ensure compliance with. How are recent developments in privacy, both in the U.S. and abroad, affecting the usage of the external platform? A lot of the different responsibilities of somebody in the organization, if you take a step back, you begin to realize that while it may have a different name, it's actually very similar workflow to something else. I'll give you two examples. Doc review, you know, free discovery professionals, we all know what doc review is, but you also need to do doc review in internal investigations. You need to do doc review in breach because you've got to figure out if data was compromised, is there any PII in there? Another example is the data subject access request process, which as most listeners probably know, with GDPR, with legislation in California and elsewhere, it gives consumers and soon employees the right to go to a company and say, what data do you have on me and what are you doing? Now you think about the work, how are you using that data and all that sort of thing. 
Well, think about that workflow. You, you need to have the ability to take that request. That's fairly simple. Email, phone, portal, something like that. You need to verify the person is who he or she says he is. Not as easy, but you know, it's not a difficult problem to solve. You need some basic workflow because if it's a consumer, it could go to say a privacy or an IT person. If it's an employee, you would want it naturally to go to HR because if you're my colleague, I probably shouldn't see your health information, your salary information, all that. But then what happens? Well, if Ari says, what data do you have of me? What do I do? I have to go find your data. I have to collect your data. I have to review your data. I have to redact out any data not related to you. Every email has at minimum two pieces of PII. If you send me an email, you've got my email, I've got yours. There's the two, the two pieces. After I redact out, I have to produce out to you because you've requested it. Well, what did I just describe? I just described e-discovery. Then you think about it. What if the request is, hey, not only did I want to know what you're doing, I want you to delete it. Well, in many cases, that's the law you have to do it. But there are certain reasons and carve-outs why you wouldn't. For example, what if it's under a legal hold? You can't. Or what if it's under a retention obligation in from some other piece of legislation? You need you can start seeing now how it's not just e-discovery or litigation support, but you've got privacy, you've got compliance, you've got legal ops all having to collaborate and um, do their jobs. And it's just much more effective if you're utilizing one platform that has all the connections to the enterprise data sources, that has the workflow built in, that has the understanding of retention obligations or legal hold obligations or that sort of thing. So what are some of the best practices or strategies that organizations can implement to streamline the DSAR process and ensure compliance with data privacy regulations? Best practices, I'd say, just go by external. But one of the things I think people need to be aware of is, especially if we have a lot of US-based listeners, I would just say as compared to in, in Europe, but when California came out with CCPA, they initially excluded employees and contractors from being given the rights to be able to submit a DSAR. If you think about it from a consumer perspective, it's probably not that difficult in terms of data sources. There's going to be a customer database, maybe a point of sale database, there's shipping database or whatever, but you know pretty much where you keep stuff. Now, I could argue that to be 100% compliant, you probably also need to look at, did that consumer ever have an email or a chat with somebody in support or finance or something like that? But most of the time, it's pretty self-contained where consumer data is. Added to that, Americans just don't care about privacy to the extent that Europeans or other people around the, the globe do. Employees are a whole different category. Think of all the places where you as an employee of a business could have your personal data. Because remember, personal data is a descriptor of you. It's your email. It could be your IP. It could, there's your IP address. It could be lots of different things, right? All the places where you've you've got IMs and chats, you've got Microsoft Teams, you've got Slack channels, you've got documents you've authored, and now you've got your personal information in the metadata, you've got your HR stuff. Employee data is everywhere. The thing that is interesting is lobbying group that pushed the hardest for 
the inclusion of employees and contractors and ex-employees was the plaintiff's bar. And we've seen in Europe, one of the very first negotiating tactics when there's a termination to you know, try to get a, a better severance or a better outcome is to submit a DSAR. I have one that was shared with me. It's all redacted, but it has over 58 separate requests of data that the this employee is asking for. And under GDPR, you have 30 days to respond. With California, you have 45 days. If an organization isn't set up to quickly be able to respond to those requests, they're going to be in violation of CPRA, CCPA, kind of the same. That's terrifying because the plaintiff's bar will sue. And I think we're going to see some very high profile companies fall afoul of, of the legislation because they just don't have the setup to quickly be able to go find all that data, review it, redact it, and produce it out. Aside from having some centralized system, what other mistakes are companies making when addressing these issues? There's another thing from a privacy perspective, which is consent. I mean, most of us think of consent as the cookie banner, right? We go on a, a website. If it's a US-based one, maybe we're asked to, to accept cookies. If it's a European one, it's usually a little bit more in-depth saying, you know, do you want to accept all cookies? Do you want to accept some? Do you want to do whatever? Or do you want to reject all of them? But the thing about consent is you, as an organization, have to get consent in every channel in which you're collecting information. Think about what's happened over the last four years. We all use QR codes to order. Think about mobile apps. Mobile apps don't use cookies. So if I'm an organization and I'm trying to provide an opportunity for consumers to provide consent for me to collect their data and do certain things with it, I have to be able to recognize their signal in any one of these channels of what they want me to collect and use and what they don't want me to. And we're beginning to see not just enforcement letters, but we're now beginning to see sanctions. And organizations are looking at this saying, I don't have the capability today to provide universal consent across all my different channels. And that's something that I think we've seen one high level, uh, high profile uh, retailer get fined. And I think you're going to see a lot more starting July 1, California is indicating that they're going to be very aggressive about protecting consumer and employee privacy rights. How do you see the privacy regulations that are emerging affecting the development of legal technology solutions? What we're seeing and what our customers are telling us is being seen everywhere, which is with this expansion of the role of legal into privacy, into maybe ethics, into compliance, You've got to really understand your data, right? Where is the data? Who owns that data within your organization? Uh, what regulations apply to it from a retention and minimization perspective? That's a, another big trend, which is, you know, everybody's always had retention policies forever. They just never actually operationalize them because nobody wanted to push the button and delete stuff because that could be a career limiting move. These new privacy regulations are insisting that you actually do what you say you're doing, which is if it doesn't have business value anymore, you need to delete this information. And if you get breached and data that should have been deleted is compromised, that's going to increase the, the risk to your organization. 
So understanding where your data is, who owns it, what third parties have access to it, what they're doing with it, what obligations, retention obligations apply to it. That then gives you the ability to react to requests for that data, whether that request is e-discovery, internal investigation, DSAR, breach response, anything. The best advice I could give is get really solid current understanding of your data and keep it current because the requests aren't going to slow down. And especially from a privacy perspective, there are ticking timelines on these requests and you have to be able to respond. This is Ari Kaplan speaking with Bill Pawanka, the Chief Marketing Officer at Xtero, a provider of legal GRC software designed for in-house legal privacy and IT teams at Global 2000 and AMLA 200 organizations. Bill, it's always a privilege. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Reinventing Professionals podcast. Visit ReinventingProfessionals.com or AriKaplanAdvisors.com to learn more.